0: 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 17. David's lament for Saul and Jonathan. David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan. And he ordered that the people of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jeshar. It goes like this. And a gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain, may no showers fall on your terraced fields, for there the shield of the mighty was despised, the shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle! Jonathan lies slain on your heights, I grieve you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. Father, we pray that um, as we, as the kids and and us separately, uh, look at this and get taught from your word, I pray that um, you would be speaking to us and that we'd be, Eager to hear what you have to say. Amen.
1: Amen. Mm -hmm. thank you very much for praying uh, and for reading. And for setting us up really to understand that passage so well uh, in all that introduction. Now, let me, as we come to look at this part of the Bible, come with a question, and let me ask it to you. How much do you hate death? I know we've been blown away by what happened in Paris and the result of terrorism. And certainly we all hate violent death, but how much do we hate any death. Normally we're trained not to because we don't have a lot to do with death, especially in our culture when someone dies, the undertaker comes and everything is done for us. And when we get to the creme a poem is read that tells us we should think of death as someone just going into the next room It's as unscary as that. A lady I visited this week said that uh, her dead husband had sent her a text after he had died. She wanted to reinforce that point. And if death comes at the end of a long illness, we are told to view it as a merciful release. In fact, the euthanasia squad go one step further and tell us that there are times when we should look at our death as a merciful release. Death in all those ways is to be welcomed, not to be hated. And we Christians can get a bit closer to that ourselves. We believe that there's a future resurrection, therefore death is no big deal. The common Bible word for death is just simply sleep. And we don't hate sleep, we welcome it. In fact, sometimes church is a good place to do it. <laughs> But in this part of the Bible, God's king, uh, King David, has something to say about death, which is going to be helpful to us. It's helpful in giving us a way of processing our grief when a loved one dies. But it's also helpful in teaching us the big lesson of how to hate death and interestingly it's something we need to learn because if you look at verse 18 you see how David wants this taught to his people the people of Judah and so therefore it's something that has to be learned. it's not going to come to us naturally unless we learn how to think in this way and it's the first thing he does as the king in many ways so we need to learn how to think like this it must be important and the best way to think about death uh, comes across again and again in this uh, little poem that David writes called A Lament and the phrase is a simple one to take home with us the mighty have fallen comes uh, near the start in verse 19 and then near the end in verse 25 and again in verse 27 that's a great reason why we should hate death. Now, the interesting thing is it sums up David's feelings about two very, very different men. If you know the story of David and uh, his uh, king Saul and Saul's son Jonathan, you know that Saul and Jonathan were two very, very different people. Saul had spent most of his time trying to kill David. Jonathan, on the other hand, at the other extreme, was David's best friend. And yet, these two men, on either side of, if you like, David's um, uh, range of friendship uh, are linked together under the heading the mighty have fallen. And his grief in uh, this little poem isn't the same for both of them, but the point he makes is that he hates the death of one as much as he hates the death of the other. The mighty have fallen is said about them both. So why does he hate death so much? Three reasons. First, because God's reputation is in the mud. That comes across in the way that uh, he doesn't want uh, the enemies of God's people to uh, uh, celebrate and gloat in verse 20. He calls them the uncircumcised to make the point that uh, they shouldn't have won because they beat God's people. That means that God's reputation is going to be affected by that victory. So he says, tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not on the streets of Ashkelon. Gath and Ashkelon were... Uh, border towns on either side of the Philistine territory it's a way of saying don't let any Philistine know but of course it's too late because if you know how the chapter ended um, just over the page uh, one Samuel chapter 31 you know the good news was taken to Gath and you can bet your bottom dollar that every large screen TV in every pub in Ash- Ashkelon would be also broadcasting the same news And therefore, these pagans are going to be mocking the idea that there is a God in Israel who is good to his people. And Saul was the Lord's anointed. He was God's king. We saw that uh, in chapter 31 last week, uh, over the page again in verse 16. He's referred to as the Lord's anointed. The reason for that is because oil was put on his head and he became God's king. So when that king, God's king was killed, well what do you make of God after that? And David hates it when anyone in any part of that territory between Gath and Ashkelon thinks less of God. So he curses the mountains in verse 21 as a way of saying, look, no good thing should carry on as if nothing has happened no one should be hostile to God's king and succeed. Life can't just carry on as if it's just another day. It's like Saul has been unanointed by what happened to him. That's symbolized in David's poem by the way he talks about Saul's shield. Uh, His shield had uh, oil put on it no longer rubbed with oil you can see at the end of verse 21 well they rubbed shields with oil those days because the shields were made out of leather and therefore when you went into a fight the sword would uh, glance off the shield because it was uh, um, uh, oil covered and therefore the le- leather wouldn't be damaged at the same time it actually stopped people in the middle of a battle grabbing your shield off you because it was slippery and they, c- and they couldn't do it but now that sign of God's anointing if you like uh, was lying in the mud alongside God's reputation it's a horrible thing when death affects God's reputation and makes him seem less good the second thing uh, David doesn't like about it is because something good has been lost he says that both Saul and Jonathan were great men. Both are seen as mighty men, and they both had been great warriors. Now, it's true that uh, Jonathan, of course, as everybody's hero, they knew that he could uh, fight, and he could fight well, and he won battles just all by himself. We've seen that if you follow the story through in 1 Samuel. But Saul, too, was a warrior himself. Now, In some ways, his military prowess had been put into the shadows a bit by David, who did so much more on the battlefield than Saul did. And so, therefore, you remember—I think three times—you remember a song that was uh, told to us in 1 Samuel that Saul had killed his thousands, and David had killed his tens of thousands. But David had killed his tens his thousands. Uh, he had—sorry, uh, Saul had killed his thousands. Saul had done his bit. Remember nasty Nahash in 1 Samuel chapter 11 when he went into that town called Jabesh Gilead and threatened to blind every single person who lived there, and Saul went and rescued them. Mm-hmm. Now, those people in Jabesh Gilead never forgot what Saul did for them, and mm-hmm. you might remember right at the very end of 1 Samuel chapter 31, the people of Jabesh Gilead went and they honored the body of Saul at the very end mm-hmm. because of what he'd done uh, for them in battle. So he was a great warrior. Now, that's not the whole truth, of course, because Saul also chucked his his, uh, spear a couple of times at David. He actually chucked it once at his own son, Jonathan. But this isn't the time for the whole truth. It's not even the time for the balanced truth. This is time for the truth that a great man has been lost, because he had his moments of greatness. And Jonathan too, as I said before, was uh, a great one. And in fact, uh, he would be given a VC for his uh, courage in battle today. So something great had been lost with the removal of these two men. And then thirdly, it's a personal loss for David himself. You see in verse 26, if you look at the words carefully, there's been a bit of a change. Because now... David's grief has become personal he's gone from teaching others how they should objectively think about uh, uh, their king uh, to grieve uh, to, tell, uh, to teach them how he personally has been devastated now smutty people have looked at verse 26 and David's words saying your love for me was more wonderful than that of a woman and the conclusion they've drawn from that is these two guys must have been gay to talk like this Now, we need to be careful about that because it's actually bonkers to suggest that David, who at this moment in time is teaching the whole of Israel uh, how to look at uh, death uh, and greatness, it's very unlikely that he's going to be writing to the whole of Israel to teach them how to celebrate homosexuality. That's just an import of our crazy Mm -hmm. way of thinking today into Bible language. Now, David's not talking about physical love. He's talking about faithful love. He's talking about David as a brother. It actually says that. Now, strictly speaking, Jonathan was David's brother-in-law. But actually, he is uh, like a brother. At least that's how David refers to him. Interestingly, Jonathan in his faithfulness didn't want to be the king, he wanted David to be king, he wanted to serve under David. Now here's the interesting thing, that when someone looks up to God's king as his king, the king looks on him as his brother. Look on God's king as your king and God looks on you as his brother. That's how David referred to Jonathan in his faithfulness and loved him for it. And not having Jonathan, his brother, around uh, is uh, going to be so hard for him. And so he grieves for Jonathan, his brother, in verse 26. Now, let me come from David to Dagenham and to see how this might help us. The bottom line is we need to hate death with that simple understanding of that simple phrase, the mighty have fallen. And we need to hate it because, for the same three reasons, that death denies God's great love for people and we should hate that wrong impression. Now, we know that Saul, if you know the story, died under God's judgment. He had disobeyed God profusely, and so God promised that what would happen to him in 1 Samuel chapter 31 would happen as a sign that he was under God's judgment. Yes, Saul's death was an expression of God's judgment, just like the death of Jihadi John is an expression of God's judgment. That's another death we heard about this week. But the reality is that every death is a just expression of God's anger against sin. So death was God's expression of judgment on Adam's sin. And every single person on this, in this room, as a child of Adam, we've disobeyed God in exactly the same way. Death is God's expression of judgment on our sin. If you did not sin, I promise you, you would not die. The fact that you will die is an indication of sin because the wages of sin is death. So we might be deserving of death, that's certainly true, but it's still a blot against the perfect God who made the perfect world in which people would not die. And therefore it makes God's project look like a failure and that is about as untrue as can be. And we should hate anything that leads people to think that God is in some way a failure. Mm-hmm. Some way without love, some way without power. And death is always going to make that suggestion to us. And we need to hate death because of what it says about God. God hated for that reason. But secondly in every death that you and I know and encounter and experience it is right and true for us to say that the mighty have fallen. Even after the death of our enemies we can say that. And the reason we can say that is because Saul and Jonathan in their different ways were created in the image of God And that came across in different times in their lives. And frankly, that would be true of Jihadi John as well. To simply celebrate his death would be to deny the fact that he was made in God's image and to deny the fact that that wouldn't have come across in some ways at some times in his life, in the past. So we need to understand that yes even our enemies and even those who have done hateful things like Saul can be regarded as the mightier fallen because in some way they were made in the image of God and would have reflected that image at some point in their lives. And if we remember that that's true of our enemies that's certainly how we should teach ourselves ourselves. To remember our loved ones who have died, how the mighty have fallen. That's how we should remember those who we have loved, who have died. They are mighty ones who have fallen. Now, sure, that's not the whole truth, and it may not be the balanced truth. But the point is we want to say that because we want to say something not so much about them but we want to say something about God in the way we remember them. They were bearers of his image and in some ways that image came across in the way that they lived. And so we talk about them in that way. So the first uh, thing we need to remember is we deserve death. Um, but God is blamed second thing we ought to hate death for is that, the, uh, and remember is that those who have died are mighty but also we need to hate death because we are personally affected yes the pain is absolutely real when we lose somebody that we love it is really hard to think about how life can be lived without them in our lives anymore is so difficult if you've been in that situation you will know that that's true and yet notice that this lament this hatred of death was written by God's king and this is the king who is going to reverse what the Philistines did to make sure that it never happened again in his kingdom so for the rest of 2 Samuel, you will see that David defeated the enemies that brought about these deaths. Now, David was a great king who was able to do that, but as you read the story along, you see that ultimately even David failed as a king. He revealed how sinful he was, and in the end, he died himself. And so therefore, he is not there as a perfect model of God's king in the story, but he's there to point us to the future perfect king that God would send, his descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is so much like David. He too hated death. When he went to the tomb of his friend Lazarus in John chapter 11 it says that uh, he was deeply moved. It is a phrase that expresses the deepest emotions that you will read Jesus experiencing in the whole of the Gospel accounts. In other words he hated it more than anything else, he mentioned it twice. And interestingly he too died under God's judgment but in this case he paid the wages of our sin. He didn't need to die, his perfect life would be lived forever but he paid our wages. And in that sense it would be true that he is the only one, or the ultimate one of whom it would be said and true to say, the mighty have fallen. But because he was sinless, death could not hold him. And so therefore he was mightier than the mighty who fell. Because he rose again. And in his kingdom, like David's kingdom, he will bring about a reversal of what happened. And that defeat will never be experienced again. In fact, he will reverse death. And that's why I thought that uh, Hannah in her all slot was just so blindingly helpful. Because she brought out the fact that the more we hate death for those reasons, the more we have reasons to develop a burning love for the Lord Jesus in his kingdom, There will be no death, no mourning, and he will wipe away the tear from every eye. So, three quick uh, little uh, finishing points then. If you're new to Christian things, hate death. Don't buy the lie that deaths are nothing. There's no greater reason to follow Jesus today and that he will save you from death into a kingdom which uh, is everlasting. But if you're churchy, again, it's important, isn't it? We might have uh, lots of experience of church between us, but it's humbling important to realize that death is also an expression of God's judgment on our sin. You've got to be really careful and not fall into the trap that really only bad people die. And uh, so, therefore, people do, don't they? If they say something bad has happened, well, what wrong did I do? They link up misfortune with, um, with uh, sin. And the church can make us feel good and somehow less sinful in our own eyes. Now, we need to be careful about that. We really don't stand any taller than Jihadi John his sin deserved death and our sin will lead to death (coughs) that's just the wages of sin and the same for him and for us be careful that we don't get self-righteous when we hear about terrorists who die we need to hate their death too as well as seeing that he's an expression of God's judgment the two are not uh, in contradiction But if you are a genuine believer, then again, hate death. And show that you hate death by grieving deeply when someone dies. Because it is a great loss. It is a great sadness. And it may be helpful to write words that express the sense of loss that we feel following what David did as he wrote down his great sadness at the death of Saul and Jonathan so it may be that we need to write down why the people that uh, we loved were so great and see them as the mighty ones and put the reasons down why we think they were and uh, um, uh, grieve in a way that is deep and not passing but please don't grieve as those (laughs) have no hope and the way to grieve as those, but the way to avoid grieving as those have no hope is to love the Lord Jesus because when he comes he will reverse death and the wonderful thing when he comes as we look back on his life is we will see the great truth of his promise that those who believe in him will never die That is a wonderful reason to love him. And it's a great reason to go out into this uh, week where we feel shattered by all the events that have taken place. And who knows what might be uh, in the headlines tomorrow. But let's love the king who will bring about a kingdom where uh, our hatred of death can lead to a new love for him let's uh, have a moment of quiet while we think about that you might like to talk to God just quietly in your own mind about what you've heard ask him to teach you and to take in what we were looking at tonight and I'll keep a moment of quiet while you can do that then after that I'm going to pray and then after that we can take questions uh, because it's an important thing for us to talk about So let's pray first, and you first, quietly in your own heart. Father in heaven, it's a heavy subject to think about, but an important one. Help us to hate death for the way that it lessens your greatness, takes away the mighty, and breaks our hearts. Grow our hatred of death that we might grow our love for the Lord Jesus. In his kingdom, death will be reversed and in whose kingdom you will once more be seen as glorious. And we pray this in his name. Amen.